0: championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers, and this is the LakersNation.com off-season show. That's right, the Lakers might not be playing right now. We still have tons of Lakers basketball to talk about, breakdown as we get ready for next season. We're going to be taking your questions and comments coming in from YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope, and of course, if you're listening to the Apple Podcast version of this show, make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe. Or Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show, make sure you show us a little bit of love. Joining me tonight is Matt, the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how are you doing, man?
1: Do it well, Trevor. Do it well. Uh, learning, learning to love playoff basketball without the Lakers in it.
0: Are you uh, are you still maintaining
1: that optimism despite the Lakers not being uh, not being in action? I think I am. I'm I'm still fairly convinced that the Lakers would be playing right now if they were healthy. So you know, all things considered, you can't really. There weren't too many things Lakers could do other than be healthy, and obviously they couldn't do that. But I'm hoping for next season, that full offseason for LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the rest of the guys gets us back on top. I guess
0: let's start there because that's I think that's going to be the biggest and one of the most interesting things of the offseason for me is how does Rob Palinka look at things? He made a bunch of comments uh, during the exit interviews about how he felt like he put together a championship team. Like this was a championship team but it was external factors that prevented it from reaching that goal. It was injuries, it was COVID stuff. All of that stuff is what really stopped them from reaching that goal. So with that in mind, how aggressive do you think Polinka is going to be in terms of running it back versus go out there and add new pieces?
1: I think it really depends what's on the market. I I think anytime there's a chance to upgrade the roster, in this case, I know Rob said that he's going to be looking at shooting as a priority this offseason. If there's someone on the market that's available via trade or free agency that the Lakers can go and get, I think they'll be incredibly aggressive. But I honestly don't think that if the Lakers decided to ultimately just run it back, bring back literally everyone for next season, I think they would still have to be considered a title favorite. So I don't think there's necessarily too much pressure to, to improve the roster. But I think given that it's the Lakers we're talking about, LeBron James has a very short window to continue to compete for titles. I think they're going to be aggressive for sure. But I I don't know. I still like this roster. I think there's a lot of what-ifs with this roster, kind of like what Wes Matthews said in his uh, exit interview, that there was just so many what-ifs with this Lakers roster that it's just truly hard to evaluate how good they could have been. So... I guess all in all, what I'm trying to say is that if there's a shooter out there in the market that the Lakers can get realistically, I say they should go all in for it. But if, if the worst case scenario is running it back with his team, I, I think there are worse places to be. Well,
0: I guess let's even dive right into this. You mentioned a shooter, and I agree. I think that's going to be their number one priority. If you can make just a few little tweaks to this roster and add some more shooting, then I think you can drastically improve their chances of winning. Like, like for example... I will say that even with a hurt Anthony Davis, if the Lakers made their open shots, they are probably still playing basketball right now, right? If they just knocked down a league average number of threes, and this is nothing, you know, not taking anything away from the Suns, but the Lakers dropped out of the playoffs because, number one, injury, and number two, they couldn't make the open shots the Suns were giving them. I think that whole series changes if they can do that. So if you can make a few little tweaks here and there, add a shooter or two, this team with roughly the same core – would be in a much better position next year so rumor came up somebody sent this to me in a dm so i did not hear this myself but somebody that i've gone back and forth with a little bit mentioned to me that that apparently ramona shelburne on espn was talking about you know if the lakers are going to make a deal it would be for somebody like like a buddy heel type if you're going to include like kyle kuzma and some other things in a trade so and again i can't verify that i did not hear it with my own ears ramona saying that maybe somebody in our chat may have heard it as well but just in, as a hypothetical, what are your thoughts on a potential move if it were to bring in a Buddy Heald-esque player to the Lakers?
1: I think he's the exact player that I had in mind. Uh, you, me, and Ryan had a Spaces last week, I believe, about this, and Buddy Heald was the name that I had floated. Um, I think it would make sense for the Lakers to chase after Buddy Hill that's been, you know, pretty disgruntled with his role in Sacramento starting and then being moved to the bench so you know there's a little bit of friction between two sides there. He is a knockdown shooter. You cannot leave that guy open. You cannot give him too much open space and Lord knows the Lakers had too much open space come to playoffs this year. So if you swapped out some of those threes that people were taking for, let's say, Buddy Heel taking them instead, I think you see a completely different series. And it only really takes one guy to really unlock the rest of the Lakers. If they can get hot from deep, Buddy Heal can obviously do that. And as you and I were discussing before we started the show, he has a very team-friendly contract. He has three more years on his deal after signing that four-year, $94 million extension with the Kings. Uh, but it actually decreases as each year goes by. So for yeah. next season, he'll be making 20 Two, follow year 20, follow year 18, and then he'll hit unrestricted free agency. So that kind of deal for the Lakers is really, really appetizing. And if it's going to cost you coups, pieces, and uh, maybe another pick or two, I say you should definitely go for it. Like
0: what is the most you would give up in order to get Buddy Heald in a deal? Like assuming that, I mean, we've been talking about this. This isn't against Kyle Kuzma, but just his salary jumps to $13 million. It makes him much easier to put into a trade now than he was this last season. So assume that Kyle Kuzma's in there what's the most you'd be able to add you'd be willing to add to that if it was to land buddy heel
1: I think to make the money work you have to throw in at least another off the top of my head I think that as well like eight nine million so whatever whatever salaries we needed to cobble up to to get to that number plus an extra first round pick this year's number 22 overall one for example I think that would be a pretty good place to start. Um, but here's the thing, though, shooting in the NBA is a premium. So if Buddy Hield is made available, like I, he, I think he might be this offseason, he's going to have suitors. Um, and I think it's going to cost you at least an extra pick or two. So um, I think I'd be willing to go as far as Kuzma, Salary Ballast, a first round pick, and maybe an additional second round pick. I think that's about as far as I go in a potential deal for Buddy. So
0: Kuzma, Salary Ballast could be just about anybody that you could, that you could add in there. Um, the number 22 pick, and then a future second. That's what you'd be looking at. I mean, if that's the deal, and again, depending on who's salary ballast is, um, I think I'd have to be all for that. Now, with, with the disclaimer that you've got to go find more wings because Kuzma is one of your only guys that's like that six, seven to 6'10 range that can defend some of the threes and fours in the NBA. So you're, he's got right. an important skill set there. And so you have to be a little careful with that. But otherwise, value, I mean, in terms of value, to me, that's a no-brainer.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm just spitballing here. I don't know what Buddy's market will uh-huh. be, but given the season he just had and his reputation, I think the Lakers will end up having to give more. Um, anything more than that, I'd be I'd feel a little queasy about. But I think if you're talking about, again, shooting is going to be at its premium. Everyone knows in the NBA that shooting is just it's paramount in today's NBA. You need to have shooters. Uh, so the Lakers are going to have to pay up uh, right now. Uh, again, depending on what the salary balance is, might be the sticking point for me. But again, if it's going to only cost me an extra first and maybe a second, uh, I'd say you go all in for it. But I, I, I definitely don't know if that's going to be feasible. But we're talking about the Kings here, so I have no idea. <laughs> that's right. That that is the
0: wild card here. It's the Kings. Who knows what they're going to what they're going to do? Sacramento, you never know what's what's going to happen coming out of that front office and everything. Um, and, and if they would even really trade, it could just be they go, oh, Lakers. We don't like them. We're not going to trade with them.
1: Right, that's man, unfortunately that's kind of the thing you have to consider here is that everyone hates the Lakers and no one's trying to help them out. Um, And honestly, if we're talking about this deal and we're saying we'd be all in on it, chances are that the Kings will realize that and say, oh, we're probably going to demand more, especially if we're going to give up someone like Buddy Heald. So uh, unless they absolutely love Kyle Kuzma, which again... I wouldn't put it past the Kings, especially given his relationship with Luke Walton. I, I think there is, you know, a little bit of optimism that we can get a deal done, but ultimately I don't, I, I okay. So let me just say this right now. I don't think it's very likely a deal gets done uh, unless it's for the price that we just outlined. But uh, even then I'd still think it'd be a fairly long shot that the Lakers land someone like Buddy Heald.
0: I agree. I agree. You know, I'm trying to keep a little bit of optimism and I hope that, uh, and, and what you know a little bit about, but, uh, and hope that the Lakers can get something <laughs> done. Um, uh, But it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to do it with the limitations that they've got in terms of salaries, in terms of the cap, in terms of draft picks, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of people in the comments that are sending out a lot of different options, a lot of people that that the Lakers should trade for or should try to sign. Uh, I've got people talking about Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner's in here. Uh, Zach Levine has popped up a bunch of times. So there's a lot of people that are that are targeting some of those type of players. I think the Lakers are going to make moves. But again, it's not going to be easy for, for Rob Flick. It's not like they're the Knicks right now and they've got 60 million in cap space to go spend or anything like that. But on the plus side, there's not really that much on the free agent market anyway. So I think I think we're going to see a very active trade uh, period here in the offseason for the NBA. And that could be a good thing for the Lakers.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Um, this year's trade deadline was a little rough, just given that because of the new added play-in tournament, right? Teams weren't really out of it, so there weren't as many sellers. But given that now we're going to have an offseason and teams can truly evaluate the rosters a little better, I think we'll see more movement, especially in the trade market, like you mentioned, and really... Realistically, the Lakers can only really make a move via the trade market because they don't have a lot of options. They're going to be over the cap, uh, depending on what Montrezl Harrell does with his player option. You know, they might not even have their taxpayer uh, mid-level exception to use. So uh, it's going to be a really tough challenge for Raul to to really retool the roster um, and make any kind of splashy moves. If anything, I think I'm really expecting just more fringe moves around the roster, ideally shooting maybe an extra wing or two here and there. But uh, I wouldn't... I as of today, I would not expect a major move from the Lakers unless something just drastically happens between now and um, the next couple months. Matt, I've got a comment here uh,
0: from Facebook. Jello alfarina said, Kuzma, Harrell, and Matt Peralta's hair color for DeMar DeRozan. Mm. Well, I guess DeRozan's going to be a free agent. So you don't, you don't oh, have yeah. to trade for him to begin with. So your hair is safe, Matt. Your hair is safe. But Thanks. If DeRozan was under contract, would you take that deal?
1: Harold and Kuz for DeRozan? Yeah. Plus, um, plus your hair. Plus my hair. Um, God, that's the. Well, I mean, so I'm assuming that means Harold opted in, right? That's and then. Right. I don't think I would, honestly. Um... If, if i can if if trez because so here's the thing i think trez becomes a pretty interesting trade piece if he does if he does decide to opt in uh and you have to imagine that he knows that if he opts in he becomes a trade piece right uh kuz plus trez equals 22 million uh you can get a pretty decent player with that kind of salary cobbling together uh, especially if you throw in some other things so i feel like if that's the only deal on the table i'd say no um and yeah like you mentioned too uh Well, okay, in this case, we're trading for him, right? I I actually, okay, no, I don't think I would. Yeah, I
0: mean, look, when we're talking about DeMar DeRozan, we've mostly been looking at him because he'll be a free agent in terms of would he come for the mid-level exception? And if he would, okay, right? I mean, he's a really good player. Uh, Maybe there's a question in terms of fit, right? Uh, Just because he doesn't shoot the three. So basically, you'd have to have your other four players, anytime DeRozan's on the floor, your other four guys would have to be three-point shooters. Like, and that's kind of a hard thing to work around if you're the Lakers. Um, So the question is, do you want to kind of handcuff yourself like that? Where if DeRozan's going to be on the floor, every other player has to be able to shoot the three. I mean, that means like, if you bring back Andre Drummond, you can't really play him and DeRozan together. That's not going to work so well. (laughs) So you've got some, uh, some things to figure out there, but I do think the talent level is so high that he's interesting to me. Like it would, it's not the worst idea in the world. I don't think it's not perfect, but I don't think I would hate it either.
1: Uh, if you're talking just if we sign them yeah. out right in free agency for the tax for the mid level, yeah, I think you absolutely do it. He was also another name I brought up just because I think I know outside shooting is something we fetishize and that we absolutely want on this Lakers squad. It's it's definitely the main priority I think. But um, if you could just get me someone that you know can quote unquote get you a bucket, um, DeRomar, Demar DeRozan can definitely do that. He had a very underrated. And under the radar season with San Antonio, where I thought he was almost a borderline all star, even so, there's definitely stuff left in the tank. And if you're going to convince Demar Derozan of all people that hey, come to the Lakers and take a bench role, be our sixth man for the text for the mid level, I think you have to do it. And I, I don't think I would definitely hate it. I, I kind of compared him to this and to Trez in this way in that he he came to the Lakers as you know the energy guy, the instant offense off the bench. Um, you could probably make the same argument for Demar Derozan just as a wing. Uh, And then I think even San Antonio experimented with him as a really, really small, small ball four. Uh, That was an interesting look at that the Spurs gave. And so I think the Lakers could maybe mimic that a little bit as well. Um, So there are options. And again, we're talking just talent level wise. DeMar DeRozan definitely can contribute, especially in the right role. And if you're going to have him be your third banana next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you could do a lot worse.
0: Okay, let me let me sum up the DeRozan conversation with this. LeBron James goes out of the game. He's on the bench. He's healthy. He's healthy. I should specify that. He's healthy, but he's getting a rest. Your option to handle the ball for you and to run your offense is Dennis Schroeder or DeMar DeRozan. Who do you feel more comfortable putting the ball in? Who do you feel more comfortable uh, with the ball in their hands?
1: I think I have to say DeMar DeRozan. That's
0: that's the way I'm looking at this. If you go get DeRozan, he's the guy whenever LeBron is out, which is kind of what Schroeder was supposed to be this year and i agree with you i actually think DeRozan is brilliant running the pick and roll he just has that flaw if he can't shoot the three he shot 25 percent for the season so can you work around that or not but it's it's so intriguing because like you said his talent level is so high uh from youtube question coming in aniket mohan said trevor can the mid-level exception be split between multiple players yes it can it can you be split between multiple players you can split that up in fact, uh, Keith Smith and I went over the Lakers salary cap situation the other day in a video. If you haven't watched it on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, you guys should definitely check that out. But essentially, if you want to use the mid-level or the taxpayer mid-level, you can get away with using it and not trigger the hard cap by just staying just shy of that taxpayer mid-level. So if it's $5.9 million, you can use $5.8 million of it. But if you use the whole thing, you're going to trigger that hard cap. And so I think we're going to see the Lakers make a few moves this this offseason with an eye towards not trigger, triggering a hard cap because we saw where that kind of put them in a bind this season.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's just, it's kind of rare. I, I think. Well, I feel like for the caliber players, the Lakers will be chasing after. It's going to be hard for them to split up their mid-level like that for multiple players. I think in this case, we're probably looking at maybe two at the most. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they can do that, but You know, I'm not a cap wizard by any means necessary, so uh, I'm going to let Rob handle that. But I do trust that he knows what he's doing. Um, You know, he did build a pretty good roster last season, so I'm excited to see what he does with this one.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the other thing, Matt. When we look at this roster, we talk about this season. Of course there's disappointment. And of course there's people who the knee-jerk reaction is, Rob Palenka, he messed it up. Should have just brought everybody back, Right. But when Polinka made those moves, I thought, man, these are all very defensible. Bringing in Mark Casal, bringing oh, in yes. Wes Matthews, bringing in Montrez, Harold, Dennis Schroeder, the sixth man and the runner up to sixth man on really good deals. Like, it didn't work, but I think those are moves you would make 10 times out of 10. Just sometimes things don't work out. I don't look at this as, man, Rob blew it last offseason. What was he thinking? I think he made really good moves. It just didn't work out because of all the other stuff, the injuries and COVID and and, and the shooting and all that.
1: Yeah, let's go through this real quick. Uh, If you want to really think about the roster construction from last season, uh, we got Wes off the biannual exception. Pretty solid signing. was just starting with Milwaukee last offseason, or last season, which, by the way, they were a title favorite for most of the year. Um, Dennis Schroder cost them Danny Green, who a lot of Laker fans loved. Um, plus, a first round pick that they probably weren't going to to use to develop a player. So, you know, that's pretty defensible, right? Uh, Trez on the on the on the mid level, you know, was a little bit the one that might might have given me some rub and some pause. But again, he was just coming off the 6 Man of the Year award, and again, like. I, I think you could probably argue that the, the Clippers mishandled or misused him in their first round or in their series against the Nuggets. So not not a bad option, especially in a short and offseason where you're going to need offense off the bench, right? So, you know, you could do worse than that with Trez. And then Marcus saw cost you really Javel McGee, and then he signed on a veteran minimum for two years. So all in all, what I'm trying to say is Rob did not give up much to add four impact guys.
0: Yeah.
1: Really did it. And then and then if you want to throw in Andre Drummond in the buyout market, who basically came for free um, – there's, there's not a lot to really quibble about. Like, I, I get that it's it's really easy. Hindsight's 2020 and the moves didn't work out for X, Y, and Z reasons. But every move in a vacuum, I thought, made sense for the Lakers. Um, obviously, I would have liked to see them keep some guys. Like, you know, Dwight, I think, is the most popular name the Lakers fans wish the Lakers had kept. Um, I'm, I'm totally in that boat as well. But if you're telling me... That Dwight Howard was the difference between a title this year versus last year. I don't think that's true. Uh, he would have been a nice piece to have, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to make or break your title defense this year. So all in all, again, I, I think each move that Rob made last season was solid, and and things just didn't break right. And if now now we're thinking, oh, you know, again, we're frustrated. We need something to blame. So obviously, it had to have been the roster, right? No, I don't think so. I think again that bends the brakes really and I've
0: got I've got people saying oh it's not even the roster it's Frank Vogel's rotations how are you supposed to have a rotation when every single game you've got guys up this guy's hurt oh no that guy's hurt okay this guy's now out for a month how can you have a consistent rotation like now I'm not saying Vogel made every correct decision yes mistakes were made but just like we look at the team and we say we say okay we didn't really get to find out how good this team is Vogel didn't get a chance to show how good he really is either because he never had a consistent team.
1: Yeah, it's I don't blame Frank for much, really. I know we had some frustrations with him, particularly in the playoffs, but it's kind of hard to figure out what you have when you don't when you've never seen what you have, right? Um, and no one was talking about Frank's rotations when the Lakers were 21 and 6, and then that that's that was the record before Anthony Davis got hurt. So we weren't saying anything about it then. So because the Lakers started losing then we start to maybe you know look under the microscope a little bit and try to nitpick and see what we can blame. But really, I'm going to give Frank a pass for the most part because, again, like you said, what was he supposed to work with? There, there's not a lot. Um, me and you could come up with rotations, but they might not even work either because we're talking about a new lineup basically almost every day. Uh, we saw lineups in the playoffs that had never played together during the regular season because, again, Guys just weren't available, so I, I don't blame Frank for any of that. Really, I think you kind of just have to. I don't want to say throw the season away. I think there's lessons to be learned from it. But really, what I'm trying to say is that health, health permitting, right? The Lakers would have been just fine, but that was not the case.
0: Unfortunately, the way we're seeing things play out too in this year's playoffs, it's almost like the winner is just going to be the last man standing, right? Like I
1: tweeted that. Uh, out, oh, did you? Actually. Okay, yeah. I, I missed it. It's, I said, it's I said, I said the healthiest. I said the healthiest team <laughs> wins. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> no, I said I said something along the lines of the healthiest team's just gonna win this year. Yeah, I mean that's it's
0: crazy to think. When you look at all the different series, right? Denver, no Jamal Murray, didn't have Will Barton for a while. Of course the Lakers like I, the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals if they're healthy, right? Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Alex Caruso goes down, KCP goes down. Even I mean the Suns dealt with a, an injury to Chris Paul that okay, he's, he's okay now, and, and that's made a big difference for them. Um, you look across the board, I mean, Kyrie Irving just got hurt, James Harden hurt. It, it's really going to come down to just who can stay healthy, and I think that is, we've got too much evidence to say the quick turnaround is affecting teams and the compressed schedule is affecting teams to so just say, oh, no, it's just circumstantial. I think that there, there really is this cumulative effect here of everything we've seen, but teams like the Lakers who played deep in the last season's playoffs and just the NBA in general had to endure this season. It's all adding up and kind of coming crashing down right now. I mean, look, the, the playoffs have still been fun and everything, but there really is this sense that it's not necessarily the best team that's going to win this year. It's instead going to be the healthiest team
1: yeah it's 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 really sad to see a playoffs or a championship come down to just who has their guys when the when the time matters the most um it's no secret now that every conference finalist from last from last playoffs is now out and the teams that are remaining are teams that got bounced early so you know go through it uh philadelphia lost in the first round last year brooklyn lost in the first round last year uh hawks didn't make the playoffs suns missed the playoffs right um and then the Bucks lost in the second round last year to the Heat. So there, there's just a lot of evidence at this point like that you said that just suggests that teams were not... Teams that were playing deep into the postseason last year are getting exponentially punished this year for it. Uh, the Lakers being, I think, the, the the most obvious case. But, you know, not to take away from the other teams that struggle with their health also. So I, I think you'll see a return to normalcy next season, hopefully. Crossing my fingers, right? There is just... There is just the Lakers had too many injuries for one season. This This is... This had to span at least two. So I think the basketball gods have to realize that and give us a season of actual good health this time around. Oh,
0: uh, we hope so. We hope so. That would be nice to have a, a injury free season or at least relatively injury free season uh, next year. So I've got some people saying, how about a DeMar DeRozan Kyle Lowry reunion on the Lakers? I'd be here for that. I'm good with that
1: one. I'm if all for Matt it. is all
0: for it. Kyle Lowry? i like it
1: double sign and double trade sign and
0: trade. Let's get it done. You know what? I've seen so many people out here and it kind of drives me a little crazy that have been saying, get rid of Schroeder. A lot of people just parroting magic Johnson and saying, and saying, Oh, he's not, he's not <laughs> a Laker, right? All these sorts of things saying, get rid of him. No, that is not. You can't, if it's a sign and trade, okay, fine. You're getting something back. I don't, I don't know how, because we've been trying to drive home this point every single time we've talked about this. But if he walks away, let's say he walks into the Knicks cap space. You get nothing. They have There's no money to spend because he walked away. You don't get any more spending part. You just lose the player. That's it. And so even if you're not a fan of Dennis Schroeder, even if you say Magic Johnson is right, Dennis Schroeder is not a Laker, you still want him to be signed, and then you say, cool, and then maybe you trade him at the trade deadline. Right. There is no positive here to come from Dennis Schroeder walking away unless it's in a sign and trade.
1: I could not agree more. It's just poor asset management, really, because I, I think what what some people might struggle with is this idea of, of, of cap of the salary cap. Right. Because um, the Lakers are going to be over the cap no matter what they do. There's just no way around it. Um so given that they have very, very, very limited options in terms of adding players. Um they can't just outright sign a guy after letting Dennis walk. That's just not how it works. So uh really their only option is to re-sign Dennis at at a number, whatever number it is, and then look to trade him afterwards down the line if you really don't want him. Um and again, we, if you're one of those fans that really wants Lakers to swing for the fences and grab a superstar that wants out, you're going to need salaries on your book to make that work. And right now, right now, as we're talking about the today, the Lakers don't have those. But if they were to re-sign, let's say, Dennis Schroeder to, I don't know, $18, $20, 20 whatever million, dollars, then they can get in talks with those because then they have the actual salary balance to get a trade done. So it, it's... It, it might it might sting. It might not sit well with you if the Lakers do come to an agreement with Dennis Shooter, which I think they actually will. Uh, but just remember that there is no such thing as an untradable contract in today's NBA. GMs are too creative now; they can get off deals no matter no matter what the situation is. Um, and yeah, so I, I think it's just it's it's good asset management to get something like Dennis Shooter on your books and then look to move him down the line if you really don't want the player.
0: So, And that's a, that's a great point, and that's exactly where I'm at with Dennis Schroeder. It's the same situation I was at with Dwight Howard, his first tenure in L.A., where he said, look, it wasn't perfect, but you don't want to see Dwight Howard just walk away. You want to sign him, and then at worst, you trade him down the road. Obviously, that didn't happen. He went to Houston. Um, Andrew Alameda from YouTube said, what's the difference between being over the cap and being hard capped? Okay, so the salary cap for that's next gorgeous. season, I believe it's going to be at $112 million. This is off the top of my head. So I believe it's at 112 million. So the salary cap at 112 million, that means if your team spends more than 112 million, then you're out of money. Okay. If you have 90 million on your payroll and then, well, there's something, well, I'm not going to get into the uh, empty roster spot charge and all that kind of stuff, but let's say you've spent 90 million. That means you've got 22 million to go spend, right? That's how much spending power you've got to go spend out of the market, give or take a few because of some other rules and things like that. But you've got money to go spend if you're at 114 million and the cap is 112 yeah. you don't have money to go spend except get it that word except there are some exceptions right you can use exceptions to go over the cap see the nba they didn't want a veteran player who's been in the nba for a long time to not have a job anymore because teams said, oh, we're over the cap now. We don't have any more money. So they made it a soft cap, which means you can continue adding on to your roster by using exceptions. So, for example, the veteran minimum is an exception. You can add as many veteran mm-hmm. minimum contracts as you want. Let's say they were $2 million apiece. You could add five more veteran minimum players. The next thing you know, you're at a salary of 100, what, $124 million. Okay, So you can keep adding on. That's why the NBA is considered a soft cap. However, there's some things that you can do where if you use your biannual exception, you use all of your mid-level exception. Uh, if you receive a player in a sign-and-trade, okay, then you trigger what's called a hard cap. And that is just a definite ceiling, and it's going to be right around 141 million. Again, that's off the top of my head. But right in that range, it'll be an absolute ceiling that no matter what, you cannot go over The Lakers triggered a hard cap last year, and that's why, for most of the season, they only had 14 players on their roster because they were right at that limit and they couldn't cross it for anything, so they couldn't add another player to their roster. I hope that made sense. The NBA's salary situation gets ridiculous, but I I hope that answers the question.
1: Yeah, great, great uh, explanation there. Honestly, some parts I kind of forgot myself, but you're right. Um, I think last year's hard cap was set about 137, 138 million. So if you were, you know, scrolling through cap sheets and you were wondering why the Lakers kept that roster spot open so long, it's because, for instance, the contract that they gave Andre Drummond was prorated when they signed him. So, uh, I believe he only made 560,000 off the top of my head. I'm not entirely too sure. Had they done that earlier this season, they wouldn't have been able to afford him given the sat the hard cap. So, it was so the timing of the signing was also very crucial in bringing Andre Drummond aboard. But Trevor's exactly right. Um there are certain things you can and can't do when you're over the cap. Um and then doing certain things like using one of those exceptions that he laid out would trigger the hard cap. So, uh, it's a little frustrating for fans because, like, when you look at the team like the Brooklyn Nets that just signed literally every player on the market, even though they had three max guys, um, it doesn't make sense. But. Then you kind of go, get into some of those exceptions, right? They had their disabled player exception. They still have the mid-level. They used, they used, I believe, a veteran's minimum, or they used a uh, prorated contract to sign Blake Griffin. So they had options, and they were definitely within their rights to do that. Uh, so no, the Nets were not breaking any rules, and they weren't breaking the NBA. They were just playing within the cap structure that they were given, and so the Lakers will have to do the same this offseason. And that's what I get a
0: lot of. I get a lot of people saying, well, how do the Nets have three max players then? How is that possible? Well, because they had contracts on their roster— that they could use to trade for James Harden. So they brought on James Harden's salary. They didn't use cap space to sign him. They were already over the cap, but they were able to send out enough contracts to bring him in. So that's how the Nets did that. As far as how they still had money to go spend, yeah, like Matt said, they had exceptions and things of that nature. When they did have cap space, they used it on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And again, it's a soft cap system. You can pay your own free agents. That's another way you can exceed the cap is you can pay your own free agents do something called bird rights. So what they didn't, the NBA didn't want teams to draft a player, develop a player. They spend the money to become a contender. And then that team has no way to keep their own player that they spent all that time developing. They just have to watch that player go somewhere else because they don't have enough money. The NBA didn't want that situation to play out. So they created bird rights, which allows you to exceed the cap to resign your own free agent, assuming they have a certain number of years banked with your team. So, for example, for the Lakers, they're over the cap. They could sign Alex Caruso to a $15 million deal per year, right? It's They're over the cap, but it, he's their own free agent, so they can sign him. That's why for the Lakers this offseason, a lot of this is going to be about talent retention. The Lakers are over the cap, but they got Dennis Schroeder's bird rights when they signed him, so they could, or when they traded for him, so they can go over the cap to continue signing him and bring these guys back. That's how that system works. that's why the Nets were able to bring Joe Harris back on such a big deal. Um, the Nets like Matt said they didn't break any rules. I know at a cursory glance you say wait a second that's not fair how are they how do they have three Max players plus they've still added pieces It's the way the NBA system is set up it just it is what it is.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of why in previous in previous talks with Trevor and I, we've kind of discussed the idea that this Lakers this Lakers roster gets really expensive really quickly if you're trying to retain Alex Caruso, Tht and Dennis Shooter. The Lakers have the capability to assign all three of those guys to pretty lucrative deals, but at that point. Uh, that might be the rest of your roster, given what the expected races for those players will be. So it's going to be again really interesting to see how Rob navigates that. If he can get you know pretty, if he can get sweetheart deals or, or value deals for Caruso and Tht, and then sign Dennis Schroeder to a reasonable contract, then then we're talking in terms of like oh now we've got a lot of moves out of disposal come next year's trade deadline if they if they want to really make a splash. Uh, but as far as this offseason goes, again um, don't expect a, flash, a splashy move unless something wildly uh, crazy changes in the market. Um, again, that's why I'm kind of expecting we'll be looking at bargain bargain bin players, uh, players that they can be had for cheap or, you know, basically for free, either via trade or a or, or free agency. Yeah, that's
0: why I, could, why I could kind of see uh, Kyle Kuzma getting moved or somebody like that. Right. In a trade, because I think there's so many limited options, right, in terms of how, how you uh, add on. If, if you're the Lakers and you're saying, hey, we really need another piece, the only way you're going to get that is a trade.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not going to get a guy for free in the, in today's NBA. You're going to have to give up stuff. And listen, I, I love Kuzma. Um I've enjoyed seeing him grow and develop as a player, but given that his contract is so tradable now because his extension now kicks in, now he's making 13 million, that opens up a lot more walkways or pathways to deals in 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 this offseason. So Again, given what becomes available after the playoffs, I think it'll be interesting to see what Rob decides to target and what names we see linked to the Lakers.
0: So, Senpai NFT from uh, YouTube said, "If Blazers blow it up and trade Damian Lillard, and he didn't say to the Lakers, could Kuzma and a first for Robert Covington be possible? So the twenty-two pick and Kuzma for Robert Covington. I don't have Covington's contract in front of me. I would have to take a look and see. But just just in terms of who they are, would you? Is that a move that you would sign off on?" I'm pulling up the. Uh... Uh, that's a
1: pretty interesting. I am also pulling it up. Um, that's a pretty interesting he is one. Is at 12.9 um, million for
0: next season, and it expires. So it's almost identical to Kuzma's contract. I mean, in oh. terms of the year, Kuzma's extends a little further, but.
1: Right, right, right. And so, do you do you think Covington would still cost the first in that case if it's an expiring?
0: Uh it depends on how they value Kuzma. Do they value him as? it's a good thing that he's locked up for multiple years or do they say, Hey, we're taking on salary by doing this. Where do you, and, and I, I'd imagine if you ask 30 teams what they see Kuzma as positive or negative value, you're probably going to get a mixed response right now.
1: I was going to say it's probably yeah. split. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd want to do it for, I, I might talk you like this first or first down the line. Um, I think, oh, if I'm trading this year's first and Coos for Covington, I'd look really hard at that deal. Uh, but I'll say this right now, I think Robert Covington is a very fine player as a role player, as a role guy. I, I just think that the idea of Robert Covington is more attractive than the actual player Okay. Um, in, in, this, in in today's NBA, um, just because I think he's not quite the lockdown defender or quite the same perimeter defender that he used to be. He's still an excellent rotation defender, backline defender even, um, and as a three-point shooter, he can be a little hot and cold, but... Um, it's that archetype of player that is definitely the, what the Lakers need. But I just don't know if that necessarily the draft compensation really makes up for what you'd be getting. Um, I'd have to sit and think about that for a little bit. My, my, my initial gut reaction says no, just because it's a first. But if you told me I could trade a second and and Kuz for it, I'd definitely do it.
0: I would do it. I would do – well, okay, the first I might – if it was a second, I would definitely do it. Covington right. on the year with the Blazers, which was a down year. The first time that he scored in single digits since his rookie season back with Houston. And then he got put on a uh, on a uh, on that Philly deal where he was on. Uh, oh, what uh, the hinky special where it was like a, a super cheap <laughs> contract for like four years in a row. Uh, but so this the is process. the first year. Yeah, this is the first year that he's been single digit in points since his rookie year. 8.5 points per game, which obviously that's not great or whatever, but but 6.7 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 1.4 steals, 1.2 blocks. I like that combination of blocks and steals. Plus, love it. Plus, shot 38% from deep. Kyle Kuzma in his career in 4 years now with the Lakers has not shot 38% from deep. Covington averages
1: Uh Trevor, what's what's what What's thirty eight percent minus ten percent though? Because there's a Lakers shooting That's, that's true. Here.
0: So he would shoot twenty eight percent for the Lakers. His career average is thirty six percent from three. So you know he's a he's a better shooter from three than Kuzma is. Very different skill set. But I'm intrigued by by Covington. I think he'd be an interesting fit, just in terms of defense and floor spacer type guy.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely see it. Um, I think it depends on how the rest of the roster shakes out, too, because Coos was coming up the bench. I'm assuming that if you're going to trade for Covington and give up draft compensation, you'd probably want to start him, right? Probably, yeah.
0: Um, let's see. <laughs> People are saying, don't put Dennis Schroeder into trade scenarios. He's a free agent. Well, yeah, but you, you can sign and trade him. That's... That's what we're holding out hope for is if he does decide he wants to go somewhere else, he needs the Lakers' help in order to get to that somewhere else. That's going to be really key.
1: Have we? Uh, I'm sure you've already talked about it previously, but that report that was floated around about the Raptors being interested in trading, Dennis Schroeder caught my eye yeah. quite a bit. Uh, got a little giddy when I saw that. I mean,
0: they're interested in signing him, and they don't have a lot of cap space. I guess my question, though, Matt, is this. Is there a team out there that's even willing to offer Dennis Schroeder four years, 84, 84 million? Is there a team in the NBA willing to offer that right now? I can't say with any certainty that that, 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 that's a yes. So what's going to happen? Like everyone knows what the offer was to Schroeder. Everyone knows what he turned down. I I don't know how this is going to play
1: out. Yeah, um, I thought the Knicks being interested in a trade was pretty was was uh, was pretty interesting. Um, you know, I I, they I feel like if I'm the Knicks though, I'd, yeah, they could just sign him. And and honestly, I, if I'm the Knicks, I, I tweet this a lot. I like whisper, but honestly, I'd probably just be looking to resign Derrick Rose if I'm the Knicks. Um, it wouldn't cost you nearly as much as Dennis Schroeder in terms of in terms of uh, payroll. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe the Bulls. Kind of if, if, if Lonzo doesn't work out in restricted free agency, I, I could see that. Um, but I don't think four for 84, I don't think he's going to get four years. I'm going to say that right now. I, I think at this point, I don't know if Dennis is actually going to get four years on the market. But if he told me, give me the same, give me the same annual salary, but for two or three years, I definitely see that happening. I've got this
0: like scenario that's been in my head, Matt, and and it's because I look at things from the Lakers perspective in terms of what's best for the Lakers, not necessarily for the individual player. This would be a terrible scenario for Dennis Schroeder. Great for the Lakers, though. So, follow me on this one. Let's say, Rob Pelica and Schroeder, they're negotiating, right? And as they're having this conversation, phone goes off. You check your phone, right? Rob Pelica looks and it's a Woj bomb. And it says the Knicks have agreed with whatever free agent point guard is out there. That changes the entire market and shifts all of the power into the favor of the Lakers in terms of Dennis Schroeder because the the Knicks are the big boogeyman out there for Schroeder and just about every other free agent to say, hey, we can go here. They've got tons of cap space. After they are off the market for a point guard, it dries up pretty quick and you run into a lot of teams that would need the Lakers' help in order to land Schroeder.
1: Yeah, I think the nightmare scenario for shooter and his and his representation would be let's say Kyle Lowry goes to the Knicks, uh, the Bulls throw a, a huge offer sheet at Lonzo that he signs, and the Pelicans decide not to match. Then, then you're kind of SOL if you're Dennis because not a lot of teams need his kind of his kind of point guard skills. Um, so, I think at that point you almost have to settle for a deal with the Lakers and then and then just hope things work out for there. Let me say this about Dennis right now. Um, I, I don't think it be understated that he went through COVID protocols right before the playoffs yes. started, uh, and came back with like I think it was two games. I think he came the same day uh, that he came back the same day LeBron James did, which only gave him two regular season games, and then immediately got thrown into a fire in the first round. Um, so I'll say this: I'll, I'll give Dennis not a pass per se, but I can understand why he struggled in that series. and And I think if we're me and you were talking about this around the trade deadline. We were sweating. Well, you were sweating. I was more like, I think a deal will get done. <laughs> but I remember you were saying, we need to get an extension done with Shooter right yeah. away. Um, and it's because that that Dennis Shooter midseason was worth the four years, $84 million, for sure. If anything, he might have outplayed that. Um, I personally think that player is still somewhere in there. Um, I don't think it can be understated, the idea that the Lakers had, I think, 20 total practices over the entire regular season, plus the playoffs. Um, then all the injuries happened um and then again dennis shooter like i said previously wasn't meant to be the second or lead guy for the lakers he was really he really came in to be the third guy so if you if you put him if you push him up a peg and force him to be and take and force him to take more responsibility i think you see him struggle and that was definitely evident with lebron james and anthony davis out but let's say you slot him back into what i think the lakers were expecting to get out of him i think he looks a lot better so this is just really roundabout way of me saying i think dennis is better than what he showed um, and I definitely think at this point, if Lakers do re-sign him for anything lower than that reported 4-for-84, I think you're honestly going to get a relative value contract or a relative, a relative value deal for Schroeder. No, I
0: agree. I think that shooter is, is probably better than most people give him credit for. There is a recency bias at play here where we remember, OK, that horrible Game 5, that no-show performance there, and that has sort of poisoned our... our- Thinking on him, right? And maybe rightfully so, but he was better during points, points uh, parts of the season. There were a lot of moments where he was really good. Um, he didn't shoot quite as well in the season as we were hoping. He didn't keep up those Oklahoma City numbers of 47% from three that dropped down, uh, or no, 39% from three and 47% from the 39. field that dropped down to 44% from the field and 34% from three. And that, that's a big difference. Um, so that was unfortunate from. You know the Lakers' standpoint that he wasn't able to keep up that shooting, but overall, Schroeder is probably a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. That said, you can't be—you mentioned that it, that he probably isn't capable of stepping up and being that second guy or that first guy. If the if the first guy or second guy is down, like he needs to be the third guy, that's fine. But then you can't expect to get paid like the first or second guy. Right, like, right. and so that's where I think there's that element too, where fans see that, and that sort of poisons their opinion of of Dennis Schroeder as well. It's hard to separate Schroeder the basketball player and the entire season from what we saw most recently and what's going on in terms of the financial side of it.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think really the, the the true answer lies somewhere in between, like most things do. I, I don't think he is worth star money, but I also don't think. He is a negative asset by any means. Again, like we referenced earlier, there are reports that at least three teams were interested in trading for him, which speaks to the idea that he still has value around the league. Um, that game five, I know, is left a bad, bad taste in people's mouths. Um, and then Dennis has also said some questionable things throughout the year, which again, I know fans like will will harp on those things and and take those close to heart for the most for the most part. So I think really parsing that out and trying to see what you actually have in the player. Is more important here, and again, like I said, I think Dennis, in a nutshell or in a vacuum, is still a really good player. It's just a matter of what what are you going to pay him in the off season. So, again, if if we can get a value deal for Shooter, given that he struggled the last the last couple of weeks of the season, I think you absolutely do it. And from a from an asset management standpoint, it's just good practice to sign him back to re-sign him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm in agreement there. Let me ask you this before we move on from Shooter: Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, Dennis Shooter. For next season only, rank those three guys.
1: Uh, ooh, for the Lakers, right? Or yeah, just for the general? Lakers. Kyle Lowry, Lonzo, Dennis for next season. Um, I think it's in that order. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh. I don't know. It doesn't sit well, but I think you're right. I, I love, And this is me not trying to, because I love Lonzo. I was sad when they traded Lonzo, and I'm still very high on the player. Um, if the shooting this season was real, I think you have to go Lonzo second over Dennis. Uh, but again, we're talking a Lakers shooting tax here, so <laughs> we could very easily get rookie rookie season Lonzo if Euros ever came back to the Lakers. So I, I don't know, but I'm just going to assume that Lonzo, Lonzo shooting, shooting is real, and the development curve is real. And that he will continue to improve. If that's the case, then I think I will definitely go Lowry, Lonzo, then then Dennis. Agreed. Yeah,
0: agreed. And I think those are the three, you know, the three biggest names. Well, I guess I mean Chris Paul will also be out there on the market, but he probably winds up staying in Phoenix. I'm assuming that's going to happen. But, uh, but probably the three biggest names out there on the point guard market this offseason. Uh, um, sent by NFT. Am I crazy from YouTube? for thinking KCP should be untouchable. He's a good three-point shooter, good defender, good slasher, underrated fast break runner. Yeah, he is really fast out there, KCP, out on the floor in terms of transition play. Um, isn't a great finisher necessarily in transition, but uh, but he is extremely quick, can shoot the ball, was the best three-point shooter on the team this season. Uh, if Macklemore was on the team the entire season, then maybe you could make an argument there. But 41% from three for the season for uh, for KCP, so you got to like that. I don't think he's untouchable. But he Same. did make he did get some votes for all defensive first team, you know. And how crazy is that? The Lakers are the best defense in the NBA, and none of them made oh, first man. or second team all. The Don't years. get me
1: started. Crazy. Don't get me started, man. Um, yeah, I, I said this. If you're not going to credit any of the Lakers with a with a defensive team nod, then Frank Vogel should have gotten more coach of the yeah. coach of the year uh, votes. There's just no way that you have the number one defense in the league and you don't get any representation. I get it, injuries, but there's something to be said about the job Frank Vogel did. And this is why I like Frank as a coach is that he was still able to keep the number one yeah. defense throughout the league with players in and out basically every night. Uh, so credit to Frank Vogel there. But, yeah, I think it's a little ridiculous that the the sec, the sec number two defense, the Sixers, got three guys represented on those teams and the Lakers got zero. I think that's a little yeah, weird.
0: It definitely is. It definitely is. Well, like, if Anthony Davis was healthy, he certainly shows up on there. And he actually got a vote oh, or sure. two, as I recall. Um, but in any event, uh, you know, I do want to talk about, before we call it a night here, Woj put out a tweet. Adrian Wojnarowski put out a tweet earlier, <laughs> and he mentioned a couple of players, Trey Young and James Harden, and said the NBA, this is music to my ears, is going to start taking a look at what is a natural shooting motion and what is not. And that doesn't mean they're going to start making this call. That means they're going to discuss this, this off season. But the fact that Woj is putting it out there suggests that there's some momentum behind this, that the NBA is going to start taking this into account. I have no idea how you legislate this, but this has been one of my big gripes all season. Unnatural shooting motions. We've been seeing it from so many players who are just trying to draw a whistle, and it drives me crazy. I don't want to see a player make a play where the success or failure of the play is determined by whether or not they were able to fool the referee. I want to see a guy play basketball, right? Not, can I get the ref to blow the whistle? So I'm really excited about this. And I I would have to imagine that no matter what happens, players are going to find a way to work around it. There's going to be a new thing in its place. It's going to be this never-ending struggle. But I'm glad that the NBA, it looks like they're probably going to address this.
1: Yeah, I just want to know. I just wanted to you know the reason why I'm giggling is because you're the first person I thought of when that when that tweet <laughs> came you out. Know. <laughs>
0: you know, it drives me nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, Trevor's going to vlog this. Yes, I but. Yeah, I, I know it, 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 it. It's definitely annoying to see it happen when you're watching games, especially when it comes against the Lakers. And no, it's not just Trey Young and James Harden. I think those are the two worst offenders. But you know, people like Damian Lillard also do it. Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, because I love Damian Lillard, but there there are guys in the NBA that that know that this rule isn't being enforced right now, and so they're going to take full advantage of it and get to the line in any way they can. It's just smart basketball. I don't think it's pretty. I don't think it's. I don't think it's basketball in its purest form. But I mean, again, like I said, if it's within the rules then I think you have to do it until until they make a decision or they decide to change it. Um, and yeah, I'm glad they're looking at it because <laughs> I just think it's funny when guys do it because you don't you don't grow up and you you're not taught no. that as a kid when you're when you're when you're playing when you're learning how to play basketball. You're never gonna have a coach at a youth level says, okay, in order to draw a foul, here's what you should do. Uh, that that is definitely a learned thing. That's definitely when you get to the professional level where you realize, oh I can get free throws if I just do this um so i'm not gonna fault guys for it it's just annoying as a fan to see it so like you said i'm glad that the league is deciding to look at it it, re- it reminds you a lot of the swing through motion, right um kobe was very popular for doing it kevin durant right the swing through motion where if the defender's arms is, is draped on your arm and you swing through and draw a foul they used to call that a shooting foul now it's just a common foul um i think you might see something like that uh in terms of a roll tweak where if the guy decides to jump into uh, contact uh, they might not rule it a shooting foul, more a common foul. I think that might be, you know, a way to legislate the rule a little better, or they might just not call it at all. Well, I, who knows? I
0: think it's interesting because the NBA, for years now, decades really, they've been pushing offense, offense, offense. Offense is what sells. Let's continue to promote this. Let's continue to make sure that we officiate the game in a way that benefits the offense. Right? And it's gotten obviously to extreme levels now where guys are falling down regularly when they shoot a three-pointer because they believe they're going to get a whistle. Guys are hurling themselves into defenders, knowing that there's going to be a foul called against that defender. I can think about a number of plays where a guy is running down the floor, just running in a straight line, and an offensive player just runs into him, and it's a foul, right? And we're, we're seeing that type of thing take place. So the NBA is now consciously making the decision to help the defense Potentially, depending on what rules they issue here. I think that helps the Lakers. I think that, like, Frank Vogel's defense is really, really good. But I think this season we might be at a tipping point where offense wins championships now. But if the NBA pulls that back a little bit and eases up some of these restrictions against the defense and allows you to play defense again, I think that helps the Lakers.
1: I think so. They're they're a really well disciplined defensive team. Frank Vogel's definitely definitely got them playing the right way defensively. But like you said, um, the league is definitely skewed toward offense. Um, ratings have never been higher, and I don't think that's a coincidence given what we're letting offensive players get away with sometimes. So I, I ultimately think it's a good thing. Um, but I'll say this too: uh, even if the league takes away this, there will probably be something else that we can't think of right now that players will eventually learn to exploit. Uh, so I would just brace yourself for that. But as far as the foul baiting goes or the unnatural shooting motion thing goes, I think it's a good thing that we could be potentially looking at getting rid of it or at least legislating it in a way that makes sense and helps the defense out. Yeah,
0: and that's that's just it, right? It is coming up with a way to just take some of that out of the game. Like you said, if you are a casual basketball fan, there's nothing wrong with that. You flip on a game and you see guys just falling all over the floor – that's not how you grew up playing the game that's not what you learned that's not what you were taught if you go do that in a pickup game you're getting laughed off the court so why why oh, yeah. why allow this stuff to happen in the NBA and so I, I was really happy to see that uh, that
1: come up yeah for your sake I hope they institute something because I can't imagine another season of you having to watch Trey young foul bait his way to like 20 points so
0: <laughs> it would not be fun I, I would not enjoy that so here's the other thing Matt I wonder if this was a factor in the NBA deciding to take a look at all this kind of stuff, if maybe they'd gone too far. So last season, the Milwaukee Bucks had the best offense, the best offensive rating in the NBA, right? No, the Dallas Mavericks did. The Mavericks had the best. They had like a historic. Yes, they had the best. Almost offensive 116 season. offensive rating was the Mavs last season. The Mavs this season would be eighth. Last season's Mavs would be eighth in offensive rating this season, and the Mavs broke records last season.
1: I mean, there's probably something to that. I also just think defenses this year were, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to make any bubble excuses. I just think defenses weren't trying as hard given the short turnaround and guys just couldn't exert that much energy defensively. That's kind of where I think it is. But I do think that that's part of it is because, again, uh, we are seeing teams put up points like we've never seen before. Uh, Not since like the early 70s, 60s basketball where no one played any defense, literally. Um, So I I think that probably plays a part of it. And I'm, I'm hoping, hoping that we see less of this next season. Because, again, like you said, it doesn't necessarily drive me insane. Um, because I only normally watch Lakers games for the most part, so I don't get to see it as often. But if I'm if I'm a guy that watches basketball on a daily basis, like religiously, and I'm seeing it every single day, then I'd have more of a gripe with it for sure. So I'm hoping that the league comes to a, a solid conclusion or a solid way to legislate this going forward. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed.
0: All right, guys, appreciate all of you joining us. Um, I'm still getting comments coming in, people saying, try to sign this guy, try to get that guy. I can't wait for free agency to start, and it sucks that it's so far away. End of July, we're going to see things really start to pick up. Well, maybe mid-July. Things will pick up. We're going to get the draft coming in and, and all of that, but I can't wait till we can really start diving into some of the this stuff that's going to be happening here. Obviously, we've got a little bit of a wait, but hopefully it'll make the payoff next season that much sweeter. Matt, thanks so much for, for coming on here, and uh, we're going to keep at it all the way through the off season, Mondays and Thursdays, right here at 9 o'clock Pacific time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. I, I like talking about the offseason. I know we'd rather be talking playoff basketball right now, but as far as the offseason goes, it's always an exciting time. Uh, you've alluded to it, but LakersNation.com is going to be at its busiest between the end of the season and through free agency. So trust me, guys, we have a lot more things to discuss going forward.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't wait for it. Plus, Summer League is back. Let's go. Oh, be yeah. A lot of good stuff coming on. I'm psyched This summer. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you come back on Monday. We'll be right here again, nine o'clock Pacific time. Till then, see ya and stay safe.